Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I never perceived myself as a very sexual person. In my marriage, I was not, I, I think I saw myself as pretty, like, uh, it was a chore. Sex was a chore. Um, I was tired. I had kids. And I really did not. My husband was the sexual one. And I was the one who was just co- complying as best I could. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. So we're back. I'm so excited. We're back with part two of my interview with Laura Friedman Williams about her book, Available. We started this interview on Monday talking about the book, so if you have not listened to part one, Please go back and listen to that before you listen to part two, Um, just because I think there's some layered nuance that I think it will help you, and there's so much to glean from this book. And I just want to, at the top, say, get the book, (laughs) because there's there's no way, even in a two-part interview, that I'm going to be able to distill all of the absolute, just I'm going to call it wonderfulness, of this book. It truly um, is a book that is a transformative journey, not just for Laura, clearly, but she she distills what happened for her in such a way that there are a myriad of lessons that we can all learn. And it's not just about divorce, folks. There is a lot in here that I think we all can take um, you know, my divorce 25 years ago or 20, I don't even know, 20 years ago, but I'm pulling things out of here. As I said in the first part, I'm underlining and highlighting and truly enjoying it. So again, Laura, thank you for joining us. Thank you for writing the book. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for reading the book. <laughs> oh, I'm loving it. I just told you, I'm actually only about two thirds of the way through. And it's one of those things. I have not had a book that I will stick my nose into and disappear. Um, my husband's been like, what are you reading? <laughs> and I'm Because I laugh sometimes and, out loud. I laugh out loud at times. There are some things. And so I do want to get into some of that 
because there, there's a lot in this book. We talked in part one about some of the drama and trauma uh, that went on. And certainly that is a huge part of your story, but there's also a lot of newfound joy and light and, and, you know, sort of a rebirth in many ways that we can also all learn from. And you are funny. Your friends that told you that, 100% correct. Thank you. <laughs> so I, first thing I just want everyone to know, now we're going to get into there's, there's a lot of sex in your book yeah. um, because there was a lot of sex in your life. Yeah post-marriage. And I think that that was part of your healing journey. And one thing I just want to say right off the bat is this is not gratuitous sex. That's not, this isn't just sex for the the purpose of getting people's attention, right? This is a part of your journey and it reads that way. And it's very, um, it's very evocative of, of your path and what happened. Uh, but it had to be hard to put some of these intimate details out there. Yeah, for sure. I think when you, it's very hard, first of all, it's just hard to write a sex scene without sounding like you're in a Harlequin romance novel. And I, <laughs> not, I didn't have the language for it. Truthfully, I did not have the language. I didn't really have, I mean, I, I was coming into my own sexually and also trying to have a language for it. So that was, as I was writing, I would think, oh, this is so unseemly. This is tawdry. You know, it just felt really cheap. And I never yeah. want to cheapen myself. I mean, what I was going through was really kind of eye-opening and amazing. And sometimes it did feel like I was in a Harlequin romance. I mean, I did have moments where I thought, is this real? Like, this happens? You know, you, your hair can brush against a man and he can go, God, you smell so good. These are real scenes from my life. How, what? Um, so there was that. Uh, writing about sex is really hard, though. Writing about the physical feelings that come with having sex. Um, I was never, I never perceived myself as a very sexual person. In my marriage, I was not, I, I think I saw myself as pretty like, uh, it was a chore. Sex was a chore. Um, I was tired. I had kids and I really did not, my husband was the sexual one and I was the one who was just complying as best I could. So discovering this side of myself and how much I loved it, it was on the one hand, it was a tool for grieving. It, on the other hand, it was totally fun and enlightening and distracting. And then as to your point, the third part of that was sitting down to write about it. Um, which means, I mean, how do you talk about how you like your body touched? How do you talk about what it feels like to have an orgasm? You know, how do you put that into words? Um, and I, I tried, you know, I, it was hard and I, I think I was often really embarrassed when I was doing it. And I felt that again, back to the original title of the book, is this too much? I worried about that all the time. Is this too much? Do people need to know this about me? Do I need to, is part of my journey that everybody has to know, you know, how, what I like and what I don't like and what my thoughts on pubic hair are. Is this, <laughs> but it, I don't Because know. we do know what your thoughts on pubic hair are now. <laughs> now, you know, now, you know, but I, I'm not, although, you know, spoiler alert, you know, I'll, no, I'm, I'm, you're going to have to buy the book to read my thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so I worried about that a lot. And I worried that I was being able to impart, uh, sex to people. And there was a part of me that also understood, well, sex is like anything else. We all do it. Well, not all of us. A lot of us have sex and a lot of us enjoy it. And uh, it's a huge part of our world. 
And yet we are very secretive about it. You know, I had a lot of girlfriends and we love to get together for drinks and giggle about, you know, the kids and our sex lives. Or, but when I realized, when we really, when I thought back on it, what we talked about our sex lives was like, how often do we have to have it? Um, you know, who is having it once a week or once a month or, you know, less than that. Uh, it was always like a, it, it wasn't like sexy. It was like, no. how do we do this and survive? You know, and I, and, and I think that that's, um, a very, a very far cry from where I am now. And I've really embraced, I love having sex and I love feeling a connection with somebody sexually. And that doesn't mean I'm in love with that person. I just having a sexual connection is not necessarily to me like an emotional connection. Even it's just that we, our bodies work well together. There's a certain chemistry there. And so I, felt like it was important to say, you know what, this is a part of all of us and it's okay. It's acceptable. It's not, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and so I felt like if I don't write about it, if I write a book about my dating and sex life without writing about sex, that's keeping shame about, that's still attaching shame to sex. And I did not want to do that. So I had to, you know, be a little bold and go where I was very uncomfortable going and write about it. Well, and it, you know, it's, it's, it is a part of the journey. It is, um, it, as I said, it doesn't feel gratuitous. It doesn't feel like it's put in there for the, the point of shocking anyone or, or it, it truly felt, you know, like we all can learn from where that journey you went through. Um, and, you know, part of it is, and the book opens up relatively early with that first four, I'll call it foray out into the world where you, um, and, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to tell you, you know, one of the things that you talk about is, you know, getting yourself in the shower, getting ready and going out and going somewhere and sitting by yourself, which I have to tell you, I can't do. I have the hardest time going anywhere and doing anything by myself. And so for me, yes, then, then you, met, you, know, you met some, we have the whole story of that, but just the bravery at a moment in time in your life when you were not feeling your best and certainly you know, not feeling um, maybe brave, you showed such incredible bravery to me to get yourself up off the couch or out of the bed or you know, out of your apartment and out. Yeah. Um, into the world. But that had to be hard. It was really hard, but you actually just made me think of something that I think is, is really important to remember because a lot of people say I could never do that. Right. Like if I was in this position, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, and I think none of us really know what we're capable of until we're in that moment. So would I have thought that I would be in that position and that I would put on a dress and put on some rose oil and go sit at a bar by myself? No, not in a million years. I didn't have, I, no, just no, flat out no. I would have needed a wingman um, or have a blind date, something, something. But just to go to a bar, sit by myself and see if somebody sees me, I felt like I felt broken, which meant to me I was actually invisible. Like how will anyone see me if I'm not there? I'm not even, people are, I, I may as well be invisible because I feel so small. But at the same time, um, I, there was a part of me that just knew uh, this is not living. And I have, a very, I have to make a choice. Either I say, um, this is what there is now. I'm a broken woman and um, 
I'm not going to be happy for a long time. And I, and I don't know what life is anymore. Or I go put myself in really uncomfortable situations to see if I can rise above that. And I felt like the worst thing had already happened to me. How much worse could it be? Like, you know, I, 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 I've read texts now between my husband and his lover. Uh, he loves this woman. I read that. Going to sit in a bar and drink a margarita by myself? Cakewalk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. So again, the things that you're not sure you can do. Well, I didn't think I could survive finding out that my husband was in love with another woman. And I did. So it turned out I had a lot more in me than I knew. Right. And, and it's, that was the start of your journey sort of into almost for a while there, two worlds, right? You were, you know, the mom at home going through the divorce or going through the separation, supporting your children, trying to help them. And then on those occasions when you were in a child-free home, out you went into the world. And, you know, you started to, and, and, you know, bravo to you. The first time you went out, you met, you met a nice guy. Yeah. And, and, you know, ended up, I'll just spoiler alert, going <laughs> home with them. Yep. Well, and having a nice time. Back to his, uh, his CD hotel. Like, it's back to his, well, okay. Right. <laughs> So say, exactly what I had planned for my. We just you know. we just scraped some of the romance away from it. The seedy hotel. Well, listen, it had a king size bed, and um, you know, and and the the guy had condoms in his wallet, so it all worked out well. And I think that was um, I, I, when I talk about that. That was also a I needed some outside validation that my that I was still intact physically. You know, it occurred to me, oh, you've been with this one man for twenty seven years and had three babies and nursed them. And just time happens, gravity happens, right? And so uh, is, is everything okay? Like, it, you know, am I going to have sex with somebody? And they're going to be like, oh, wow. Like you're, you are, I don't know. There's like a void inside of you. I, I don't, you know. But I, I was very pleasantly surprised to find out that I was, I was, you know, my, my parts were intact and I was in good shape. And I was, yeah. you know, and I could do it. And I enjoyed it. So I, I often think back to this man, you know, I, I don't even know that I knew his real name and I never saw him again. And I owe him this huge debt of gratitude for waking me up. It was like kissing Sleeping Beauty, you know, and having her rise again after a hundred year slumber. That's what it was like for me. It was an, a seismic shift in my, in my life. And I owe it to this stranger. And I often think, well, what would have happened if that guy hadn't been on his motorcycle trip that weekend in my stopping in this small town? Because um, there, I promise you, he was the only eligible candidate in FR. <laughs> Everybody else was like, <laughs> way over 70 and with their wives. So it was not like I had a lot of choices. And um, and I'm like incredibly grateful that the, this lightning, you know, struck this little bar that I was in. Right. Well, and I always say the universe provides, and in your case, it provided this gentleman on his motorcycle with condoms in his wallet. (laughs) And, but I have to, you know, for, for the people out there listening, and I have male and female listeners, I just, you know, that first time having sex with someone after you've been in that long marriage or that, you know, that marital relationship is one of the things that I hear from people that is so utterly terrifying and so utterly like just 
when you were saying, you know, something I can't ever do again. I mean, people mostly get there. But for you, it really started you on a, a journey of exploration and discovery of yourself as a woman um, in, a, in a totally brand new way. Um, for you, it was a, a positive experience. And it comes across that way in the book as well, um, yeah. at least for me. It was, I think I was, you know, there, I don't, I don't like the word luck because I think that it's, it puts too much weight on random things happening and not enough weight on ourselves taking responsibility to make things happen. Um, so I don't love the word luck. Um, and I say that just because I do think, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. I made myself go there. There was a man, you know, who was also in the right place at the right time. I mean, he he was also recovering from the breakup of a, a long relationship and, you know, was on this trip by himself just to sort of find himself. So it was really scary. You know, when I found myself back in his hotel room and was like, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. I had a sort of out of body experience. And I and I a lot of times I do this when things happen, you know, that are scary. I sort of leave my body and I see myself, I, I sort of picture myself from above, like my physical body is going through the motions, but my mind is somewhere else. And I think I had that experience a little bit. And I panicked because I thought, I don't know how this is done. Uh, wh what happens? Like I, I never dated as an adult. I mean, I was, I had just turned 20 when I met my husband and I'd had two boyfriends before him. So I really had no idea. What, what do you do? You're in a one night stand, never had a one night stand, um, never had sex with a stranger, you know, none of it. So I'm standing in his hotel room and he goes into the bathroom and I think, oh, what, what's the expectation? And yeah. I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing because I've been playing the role of this sexy divorcee all night. So now I got to keep going with my, this role I've adopted. So while he was in the bathroom, I took off all my clothes and he came back out and I was completely naked standing by the bed. And we just sort of stared at each other. And I was like, oh my God, I just did it again. I did the wrong thing. And this is so embarrassing. And I said to him, is this too much? And, <laughs> and that's where it all came from. And he said, yeah. definitely not too much. And it was like, oh, okay. Okay, so I got it right. I got it right. So I think, um, I, I can't remember how I even started this, but I, I, um, I did discover that I loved having sex and also just being desired and in seeing people. I mean, the thing about sex is it's special because you're not having it with everybody. You don't get to see everybody naked, right? And there's people have fantasies or nightmares about being seen naked, right? Like right. the nightmare that you have where you're like on the street and you realize you forgot to get dressed. But then you also <laughs> fantasize. If you see somebody that you find attractive, you might fantasize about what's under their clothes. So suddenly I was in a position to actually live that out. And to say, well, you know, it was fascinating to me. All these people have bodies. And when they take off their clothes, all these people are naked. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but it was such a revelation to me. I had not thought about people that way in many, many years. You know, to me, it was like whatever you had on. That's what you were wearing. That's who you wore. That was your veneer. I'm wearing the role of mom and PTA president, and that's what I am. Well, right. my clothes are off, and now I'm right. a woman, you know, here for you. I'm available for you. And right. it was really shocking to me in the best way. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Laura Friedman-Williams, author of Available, 
a memoir of sex and dating after a marriage ends in part one of this special two-part episode. And it's funny because some a couple of early readers have commented that I have such a high success rate, you know, that I had such a high success rate that it makes me a little bit unbelievable because I always, my dates always end in, uh, you know, getting what I want, which is to sleep with the man, let's say. And I laugh because I think, well, first of all, if you set the bar as low as I did, you would also have a really great success rate. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Saying Yes to the Biggest No in Your Life with coach and author Andrea Hips. I do think the more we walk toward the pain, the more pain is a teacher for us. But our tendency is, of course, to be completely frightened of the pain, shut down and go turn to food, drink, Netflix or something else in order to not look more directly at it. And now we return to today's show. Well, in the best way, and 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 then you you know you continued the journey. Um, and one of the things in the book is you know no names are used to protect the innocent yeah. or no yeah. not not so innocent. Every so there's man number one, man number two, yeah. number three, number four, um, and you met some lovely men along the way. Um, but there was a one of the things that I found so appealing about. The, the way this unfolded is you were enjoying the moment for what it was. Yes. And you had no expectations of the, I'm going to call them relationships, of that these had to turn into something. And I think for so many people, especially when going through a divorce or a breakup or the end of a relationship, many people look to fill that that emptiness in their life mm. by just finding the next person to fill, I always say fill that hole, which is not the right <laughs> way to phrase it. And, or maybe, maybe in this book, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that was not your experience or that was not your approach. And, and it comes through is that you were appreciative, grateful and enjoying the moment. Yeah. But when people were very honest with you that, hey, I'm looking, one gentleman wanted to be married and wanted mm-hmm. to be in a long-term relationship. Another person just said, you know, you're a lot and maybe more for me than, or more than I can handle or deal, you yeah. know, deal with, but I want to be friends. He asked you for recipes. Yeah. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> Gave him. <laughs> and you sent him one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God forbid I should ever <laughs> deny somebody something they've asked of me. <laughs> Right. Off it went, the green sauce. Yep. Um, yeah. So, um, but, and then you got out into the, the world of dating. And I do want to make sure we, we mention this because I read this last night and I have to tell you, it stayed with me. It stays with me now. You had, I think, I don't know if it was your first online dating experience, but you, you met a, what feels to me like a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like a, a bit of a coercive situation yeah. and you're honest about that as well. Um, it, this is not one of the fun moments, I don't think, uh, no. for me. Um, but I would like to touch on it because I think that that is another aspect of this that people need to be aware of um, and that you were very honest about in the book um, and is a little bit of the darker side of this journey. Yeah, I think that the really important thing that I learned from it and that I hope women will take from this is trust your gut. If if you do not feel that something is right, then listen to that voice 
because you, you're probably right. And in this man's case, he was the first, I just started online dating and he was the first person I think I'd spoken with. And even on the phone, there was something about him I didn't like. There was something a little abrasive about him and a little too direct, but I, I was willing to overlook it because I was so, you know, I just wanted the experience and I don't know. I just, I, 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 I didn't really trust my gut. So I went to see him and he met me at the subway and we were supposed to go just get a cup of coffee. And he suggested we take coffee to the park, which I thought, sure, that sounds nice. And then somehow we were at his apartment, like standing outside his apartment building. And he was like, well, I could just make the coffee. We're right here and we'll take it to the park. And I thought, okay, I don't, I don't like that. Like this doesn't, this wasn't the plan. And my voice, I see red flags, but again, I, I am too interested in playing the part. I am being confident. I am this, you know, woman who can go out and have a tryst in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon. And to say, hey, I don't know if I feel comfortable going inside your apartment. Um, that doesn't fit my role. So in you go. And then when he suggested, well, we don't have to go to the park. I have this backyard. We can just sit in the backyard. Again, I didn't. I didn't say no. I could have, but right. I didn't. So I, you know, I ended up having sex with him and I felt really just dirty and ashamed afterward. And it was the first negative sexual encounter I had because I didn't want to do it. And he didn't force me. I, honestly, he didn't. I could have said no. And I never did. I was a little scared to. I was scared in part because he was kind of a big guy and I was scared to say no. But also I was still thinking, well, you put yourself here. What did you think was going to happen? So now you got to play along. Um, and I learned from it. You don't have to play along. You know, you can go kicking and screaming and running out, or you could just not walk in, or you can say, I know what I look like to you and I don't care because I have to protect myself. And, um, and we, and we do have to protect ourselves. And that was a really stupid thing I did. It was really stupid. I never should have entered a man's apartment who I really didn't know. And I, and I know people will say, what's the difference? I went into this hotel room with this guy, you know, that I didn't know. And there were other men whose houses I went to, I really didn't know. But I had had enough of a dialogue with them beforehand, a communication and a rapport that it didn't feel so transactional, you know, where like we had had a, a date or had a drink or there'd been some, enough rev, revelation between us in terms of our dialogue that I did feel like I, I got a sense of who they were and I felt safe with them. Now, sometimes, obviously that could have mis, misguided. In his case, I never felt safe with him and I still went. And that was just stupid. Right. And that's, you know, that's that red flags. I think it's a wonderful metaphor that the siren was going off in in New York City behind you as we were talking oh, about that's funny. this I didn't story. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you live in Manhattan. I remember living in Manhattan. Garbage trucks and sirens. Yeah. You, you never hear them. Uh, but that's, that's the metaphor, right? You, the red flags were there. Your gut was telling you. And, you know, I, I thankfully nothing, I, I mean, it, it's, it's an experience. Um, thankfully nothing even worse no, I didn't happened. Get hurt. Right. But, but there's that aspect of this. And so your, I, I feel like it was in such an important, some people might've been hesitant to put that in there. Um, despite putting everything out there and being so open and honest to put yourself, to put out there that you made yourself vulnerable yeah. is even more vulnerable, um, to put that out into the, the world. So I, I'm glad that you did because I think it's an important part of the message as well. Um, as you journey to find yourself, 
uh, empowerment is not putting yourself in in some of those places. But sometimes, you know, we learn our lessons the hard um, way. And I did learn a lesson and I didn't make that mistake again. Um, and it's funny because some a couple of early readers have commented that I have such a high success rate, you know, that I had such a high success rate that it makes me a little bit unbelievable because I always, my dates always end in, a, a, you know, getting what I want, which is to sleep with the man, let's say. And I laugh because I think, well, first of all, if you set the bar as low as I did, you could also have a really great success rate. Like my bar was so low. It was basically like, you're a man, you know how to have sex, you're willing to wear a condom and you need to find me attractive enough. That was my bar. So even you could have, you know, a lot of home runs. But the other thing is that I think, well, if I was going to lie about anything or omit something, I never would have told the story of that man who I call number four and a half because I don't want to give him a real number um, because it was humiliating. It, I mean, who, what woman is so worried about what she's going to look like that she puts herself at risk like that? Where, where was my head? What would, if my daughter told me she did that, I would have been furious at her. Um, one, truly one of the things I worry about the most in my parents reading this book is not that they read all about my sex life, but that they know I did this, that they have a reason to actually worry about me because I did something right. that was so, you know, like not smart. So yeah, I think it's important for women to realize it's okay to just say no and walk away and you might feel like a loser. So what? You're safe and you're fine. And you're, by the way, you're the opposite. You're now very empowered. Right. And then, well, and that's a part of your message here too, right? Is you're not asking for anyone's permission or, you know, you're doing what for you is the right thing. You're not saying this is what everyone should do. You're saying do what's right for you. This was right for me. And it was my journey. And, you know, I, I just, it all unfolds and it, it, you know, I, I, I guess it's because it's, you've written it all out as a book, but it's, it feels like it's as it was supposed to be because you have grown, you have changed. You said to me in our first um, just discussion about this interview that today you would not go back to the life that you had, that you thought was perfect, the, the, that, that, you know, this is, that the growth and the change that has come for you has been of such value, that which is one of the reasons why you wanted to write the book. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, you know, you, you have to like, you have to feel pain to know joy, right? You know, you, they, they come hand in hand. I think everybody feels that way. And the joy that you feel after rising from the pain is a kind of heightened state that I don't know that you can feel if you haven't known what it's like to not be able to get out of bed in the morning or to not know if you'll, you know, if you're, if you're going to make it through. So I think it's very important to have both. And I feel just very grateful that I'm now living this life that is filled with extremes for me, you know, these extreme joys and extreme excitement, and also just the banality of day-to-day life and still trying to figure out, you know, we're still, we're co-parenting and there's still the very real parts of divorce, right? Which is like, child support and alimony and visitation, you know, and luckily my ex-husband and I really work well together. And so that we've developed a rhythm where that's not um, stressful so much for us anymore. It's just 
like picking up the phone and saying, can we do this or, you know, whatever. It's really quite nice. So that's not taking up a lot of my headspace anymore, but I just feel so alive. I feel like I'm living this really authentic life now. And I thought I was before, and my life was really nice. I was very privileged to have this really lovely life with a healthy family and, um, you know, this life in New York City and uh, all of that was good. But now I, I'm, I get to be me, like who I really think I was underneath all of that. That was so covered up by years of mothering and years of being a wife. And I love I just love being myself. I do. It sounds so weird. I don't know how to say, but I just love being myself. I do. I wake up in the morning and I'm excited. Like the time that I have with my kids now, when I'm with them, because I'm not with them all the time. Well, the two oldest ones are, you know, one is in college and one's about to go to college, but the little one is 10. And I feel even like my time with her is so amazing because I'm not with her all the time. So when she's with her dad, she's living her best life with him. He's running her around and taking her to zip lines and skiing. And when she's with me, we're snuggled up together, you know, reading cookbooks. And I love that time with her. And I feel it acutely. I used to just have that. It was just my life. I didn't think about it. Now I'm aware of it. And being aware of it has allowed me to be present and to be joyful in a way that I wasn't before. Right. And, and... You know, in the end, uh, where you were and where you are is, is comes through so clearly in the book, this journey and this growth and, and the change. And in no way do you sugarcoat that this was has been easy. I mean, that is that is not the the message of the book, but just what you just said right there. I mean, it, for I always try to pull some lessons out for my listeners. So, I mean, you went from a situation you talked about it. You read text messages where your husband was saying he loved somebody else yeah. to them. I love you yeah. to someone else. And then you just in, a moment ago said that your co-parenting relationship yeah. has evolved to a place where it's easy and you can pick up the phone and talk to each other. I want people to hear that, that that is possible, even from that place of darkness when you first found out to where you are today. So you won't believe this, but we've actually hit the end of the <laughs> second part. I can't believe it. No. Um, but I do want to ask one last question. <laughs> Um, to, to close this on. So, um, but again, I'm going to encourage people get the book. It came out today. Get the book. Get the book. We'll put links in the um, in the the show notes. But what what would you say to yourself from today if you could say something to yourself back that that night that you picked up your husband's cell phone and and saw those messages? I think I would take from it the the uh, advice that I took from a book um, called When Things Fall Apart, um, which is you don't know what this means. It seems like it's a tragedy. It seems like it's the end of your life and that everything from here on out will be awful and a struggle. But you don't know what this means. Be open and let it reveal itself to you. And if you feel pain now it will pass and there will be something else. Uh, I think, you know, the premise of that book is that when something terrible happens or when something amazing happens, you actually don't know what is on the other side of it. You don't know what it means. You don't know what it could reveal about yourself. In a million years, I would not have seen me sitting here 
talking on a podcast with you, with my book in the background, um, you know, not in a million years. And so anything is possible, you know, and I think if I could have told myself that, like, not just you will be okay, you will thrive. You will, you will find yourself, but just be open to it because then anything can happen. I got there, you know, I did get there on my own, um, you know, within a few months, I, I really did. But th- that is the one thing you do have to be, you have to be brave. You have to be bold. You have to go to really uncomfortable places and you just, you have to just be, you just have to be present and open. And it works. It works. Make yourself, perhaps it's make yourself available yeah. to what light you know has. What? I think actually that I'm so, Susan, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I never thought about that that way. But yeah, make yourself available because um, we've got this one life, right? And we can be who we want to be and you get one life, but you can have 20 different chapters in that one life. So just because you thought your life was going to be the one thing you had, the path you had been on forever, doesn't mean that when you veer and take a different course, that it's not going to be another great life. And I don't know what, I, I still, I have no idea what's to come. And in, in, in a past life, that would have been terrifying to me. I needed to know what was coming. And I truly, I say this genuinely, I'm so excited that I don't know what's coming. I have no idea what's coming. And I, well, I'm here I, for that. I, I suspect it's going to be a best-selling book. Um, so well, I'm very excited for this to launch. <laughs> yes. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I get, I'm lucky. I get to read a lot of books that come out in this space. Um, I've met a lot of authors, and I just have to tell you, I, I, I just, I love this book. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I can't wait to get back to it and finish it. Uh, and I just, I appreciate. Um, your friends who encouraged you to write this. That's how it came to be. I I appreciate your mother who told you it was okay to put this out there in the world. And wait, wait, let's end on this because I thought your mother, I think bravo to your mother because you said to her, you didn't think you were going to put the book out there because you didn't want her to read all of this. And and so tell us what your mother said because I thought this was amazing, right? This like uh, approaching 80, total Jewish grandma, but you know, PhD computer science. So just to give you a little context about who she is, very intellectual, but also the ultimate Jewish mom. And when I said to her mom, um, you can never read this book. If I write this book, you can never read it. She said, okay, so I'll never read it. Or maybe one day I will. And then I'll just be jealous that you did all those things that I didn't do. <laughs> I love your mother. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's awesome. And it was really, and it also showed me you know what? We all have so much underneath. We all do. And I, I, I want to get into that with my mom. What, well, what are you jealous of? What did you do? And what didn't you do? I'm curious now. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A whole new conversation, Absolutely. maybe a book for your mom yep. and you. Yes. So. <laughs> well, how can, I know you just started a Facebook page for the book. Yes. How can people find that? Is it, it's the book's title, right? Book's title available, Laura Friedman Williams. I'm also on Instagram, Laura Friedman Williams. I'm on Twitter, uh, Laura FW in NYC. Um, I, and those are all the ways. And I, I'm really, I'm, I hope that, you know, if people read it and have feelings about it, thoughts and feelings, questions, they should feel free to DM me uh, through Instagram. I, I do check my messages and um, I'm happy. I, I feel like I want to support women in, in, 
being bold and and going forward their next chapter. So if people need a little push, I'm happy to be here to give that push. So people should feel free to reach out to me on any of those mediums that I just, that I just, oh, and I'm on Medium too. I'm a medium. I am writing on Medium. Um, also Laura Friedman Williams on Medium. So uh, perfect. I continue to write short pieces on there. So thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to link to all of those. Okay. And I want to say to everyone, so here's when you buy the book, make sure that you then go on and leave a review for the book. That is the number one thing you can do to support authors um, because reviews help other people find the book. So go leave a five-star wonderful review. I'm going to do that as soon as the book is available so that I can leave my review. Uh, But that is truly what you can do to show your appreciation. And I do appreciate this book. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time, Laura. Thank you so much. Likewise, Susan. Thank you. you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.